Uh, welcome. Uh, wherever you are in the world uh, watching this, it's wonderful to be uh, with you now. Uh, delighted to say we are continuing our Good News uh, Shoes series. Uh, this is all based around this verse in uh, Ephesians 6.15. As shoes for your pe- feet, put on the readiness to share uh, the gospel of peace. Uh, it's a 10-week series, but the talk today, our third in the series, is kind of completing the first block of our series. And the first week we looked at um, how we are to live uh, distinctive lives, a different, different lives. We looked at God is holy and we should be holy uh, too. Uh, Last week, uh, we looked at how we are to go to care and to serve uh, those around us. Uh, This is the week then where we're looking at what does it mean to verbally proclaim the truth about Jesus, to share the good news uh, with others. Uh, This is the point where we start talking about what happens when we open our mouths to share the good news about Jesus. And our theme for today is uh, running shoes. This is all about uh, bending down, putting on our running shoes to go after God's uh, great commission uh, to us, to go and to tell the world uh, about him. Now, we talk about verbally sharing our faith with the word uh, evangelism. And I don't know about you, but um, I know for certainly for a number of people, evangelism has become quite a, a scary word or scary topic. It's something that we kind of fear. And I, I can really understand that because we're essentially uh, stepping out into the unknown and making ourselves really uh, vulnerable to those around us. We're communicating something of real deep truths in our lives and asking people uh, what they think. It's often a place of rejection, isn't it? And a, a place of uh, confrontation uh, with others or encountering their indifference. Um, and so in that, all those things can really discourage us from doing evangelism, from verbally sharing Jesus with others. But evangelism literally means sharing good news. It, it literally means we have good news and let's tell people about it. Uh, so how has this become such a hard thing for us to do? Uh, and I want to help us today by looking at two main things. I want to help us consider what evangelism really is. Basically, what is our role and what's God's role in evangelism? That's that's the first thing I'd like us to look at. And then I would love to give us some really good practical advice on how we can actually go about uh, doing it. I want to give you some really practical next steps that you can do in sharing your faith with others. What I want to do to this morning, um, basically today, is open up our eyes to this amazing adventure that we have uh, with Jesus as we share him with others. And today I'd like to think, um, to ground our thinking about evangelism in uh, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, it's uh, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verses uh, 1 to 6. Uh, we'll work through this uh, verse by verse after I've read it. So if you do have a Bible open um, before you, please, well, if you have a Bible around, please do open it, get it in front of you. We'll be referring to uh, the text lots. Uh, I'll read through it and then we'll walk, walk through these six verses verse by verse. So uh, verse, uh, verse 1, so 2 Corinthians 4, 4, verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in God's sight, in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said let light shine after darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Oh man, fantastic verses. And like I say, let's walk through these um, verse by verse. And I want to help us see not only the significant, uh, significance for Paul and his ministry. So Paul is the guy who wrote this letter to a church in, in Corinth in ancient Greece. I want us to see not only the significance for him, but also some of the truth that we can draw out for ourselves. Again, answering these questions, what's our role and what's God's role in evangelism? Let's start with uh, verse 1. And this really provides an opportunity to talk about the context of the letter. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Now, whenever we encounter words like this, particularly in Paul's letters of therefore, uh, it's important for us to question, what's the therefore, therefore? It's pointing us back to what he's just said. Now, these six verses come in the middle of basically three chapters in which Paul is talking about his approach to ministry and particularly his ministry in Corinth. Uh, this ministry that he mentions is his, but it's also the ministry that we have as uh, proclaiming the good news uh, about uh, Jesus. And he is defending that ministry, so he's defending, sorry, this ministry uh, from some of his critics. I think that will become clear as we work through some of these verses. You can almost hear him answering criticisms uh, or direct phrases that other people have said of him. Now, now Paul is being um, clear uh, here that his ministry, this one of sharing Jesus, is one that he, is, uh, he has received from God. And in this, in this passage, the wider three chapters, he articulates that it's all about sharing, uh, sharing Jesus. And it's something that he's received from God. He talks about uh, being sent by God in the chapter before and us being ambassadors of Christ in the chapter after. It's something we've received from God and we share and so in these next few verses then, Paul outlines some of the methodology of this ministry. Starts here in verse 2. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Here he's saying that we... We don't want to trick anyone into believing this. This isn't about us conjuring up good, um, good, uh, good arguments. This is about us um, setting forth the truth plainly. We don't want to distort what's true. Uh, we don't want to use any trickery. There's no deceptions. Nope, nope, nope. None of that. Instead, we want to set forth the truth of Jesus plainly. We don't want to trick people into following Jesus. And in this way, we shouldn't sell the gospel short. I think we can be tempted sometimes to do this, can't we, in the way that we share our faith with our friends. There are times where we can almost want to articulate something of the gospel in, or in almost a sense of, hey, if you become a Christian and everything will be fine. It's almost like a therapeutic gospel. It's almost like we're handing it to someone as a, as a pill that says, hey, look, you take this and everything that's hard in your life will go away. There'll, there'll, be, there'll be none of that hardness and instead all you'll have is this life of bliss. Now, now in one way that's true and the, the thing with lies is it's the half truth that makes them convincing because there's loads of truth in that, isn't it? Like we know that ultimately one day Jesus will return and right everything wrong and everything will be blissful and perfect. But we also know that's not now. 
Uh, we know that Jesus comes and says, look, I, I will come and give you rest. I am the good shepherd. He's the one that will guide us uh, along into green pastures and along quiet waters. He's the one that says, look, my, my, burden is, uh, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He does say that to us. But he also says, on the other hand, hey, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Crosses, remember, aren't just nice pieces of jewelry. Actually, a cross is an instrument of the most brutal executions. In saying, pick up your cross and follow me, Jesus is saying, hey, are you willing to die to yourself to come follow me? Because that's what it will take. You're dying to your old life and the things that you used to want to do. There is hardness there. Uh, remember, even in the time that Paul was sharing this gospel here, there was persecution. Like there were... Um, some, there would be Christians in this age that would literally be put to death. Uh, I know in my context here in the UK, I'm definitely not under threat of that. But in these days, that definitely was a cost. We can't possibly communicate the gospel in a way that says, hey, it will all be fine if you do it. We can be tempted to avoid talking about hard truths, like God's judgment on sin, the, the fact that he's angry against evil. And that might include stuff that's in us. We some can sometimes avoid talking about hard truths. No, we are not to distort the gospel. Instead, Paul encourages us here, as he does, he says, I set forth the truth plainly. We talk plainly about Jesus. And one of the reasons that we do this is because far more than just being uh, uh, sharing our faith to being just a battle of intellectual ideas, uh, do you know there's also a spiritual dynamic that happens when we talk about our faith? And this is what um, Paul talks about in the next um, two uh, verses. Let me reread them uh, to you. So verses three and four. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. That is those who don't believe in Jesus. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. This is the spiritual dynamic that Paul's talking about when we share our faith. The God of this age here, Paul is not talking about God, as in Father, Son, and Spirit. No, he's talking about the God of this age. Note the small g. Here he's talking about a being who has set his will against God, who spreads deception and destruction and death. Here he's talking about Satan, the devil, who wants to hide God's truth from people. And the way that Paul describes it here is that uh, the devil has blinded people so they cannot see the light, of, um, uh, the light of the gospel that's displayed in the glory of Christ, who is uh, the image of God. Experientially, I think we know this to be true. As we chat to others about Jesus, there's almost like a blindness that you're like, how can you not see what I see? How can you not see this amazing good news about the gospel and just how physically, when people are blind, there are lots of different types of blindness. Actually, so too with spiritual blindness. Uh, when we're sharing our faith, you can encounter all sorts of things. Maybe it's like an apathy. Someone's saying, oh, I just, I don't care. You know, that's, it's, it's all right for you to believe that, but no, I don't, I don't think so. Or ignorance. They're just, they have a wrong view of uh, evidence and of facts. And we can articulate something as eloquently as we like about, say, evidence for uh, the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, which is a well-attested historical fact. But they can just ignore it. They can be ignorant. They can uh, choose to believe their own thing. Or maybe you've encountered like an aggression. It's almost like a fighting talk that you've encountered as you've tried to share your faith uh, with others. Uh, whatever it is, I, I think you can appreciate this sense of uh, people do seem blinded to this truth that seems so obvious to us. 
Surely it's a wonderful thing to believe in a God who loves us, who came and died on the cross for us. How is it that people don't see it? They've been blinded. But the wonderful thing is that we believe in a God who opens blind eyes and who shines his light into darkness. This is exactly um, what Paul um, goes on to uh, talk about. But first we get to this verse 5. And again, Paul is talking about his methodology and what he is doing. He says, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. Interesting to note a number of things here. One is the word preach, that there is no way around it This word preach here is about a verbal proclamation. This is us declaring things. The the word that's used here is literally means to proclaim or to herald good news. Uh, You may be, um, uh, think about like old town criers, you know, that would literally share the news. So before the internet, before TV, before radio, um, maybe even even before letters and parchment, you know, were, were widely used. The way they shared news was through heralds. They would literally ride round on horses and go into the town square and literally shout news at people. This is what's happening. You might uh, picture someone riding into town on a horse, right, with a massive trumpet, and then sharing news to the crowd, right? This, this is the word that's preaching. It's a heralding. It's a proclamation. Interestingly here as well that Paul is saying we, we preach, what we preach is not ourselves. Again, you can almost hear the criticism against him. But instead of preaching ourselves, what do we preach? Jesus Christ as Lord. What an amazing message that's summed up even in these few verses. You almost get the whole gospel in just the proclamation of not only who, like, of who Jesus is, his name and who he is. Do you know Jesus means the Lord saves. When we declare Jesus' name, we're declaring the Lord saves uh, to one another. Christ is not his surname. Christ is a title. Christ means anointed one. Jesus Christ is saying the Lord saves and he, uh, and he is anointed by God. And then in, in this declaration, Jesus Christ is Lord, is Lord. He is over all. He is sovereign and ruler over everything. He is the one who created everything. He is the one who sustains everything. He is the one who redeems everything. In declaring this truth, we're saying that he is the one that came of the Father. He is the one that died for our sins. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and then is now glorified at the right hand of Father and is waiting to come back to judge the world and to right every wrong and to create everything new into everything that it should be. This is the new kingdom that we herald. This is what we go and declare that the king has come. In Jesus Christ, the king has come and the king will come again. Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is the amazing good news that we get to share with our friends and our families, those that we share our lives with. In the best of ways, we are called to broadcast this news to all those that are around us. So if that's our role in evangelism, we are to proclaim good news. We are to declare to the world, preach to the world, that Jesus Christ is Lord with all of the stuff that tumbles out of that, right? So it's not just that literal verbatim phrase that we just go around saying to people, but all of the things that tumble out of that phrase. That's what we're to do. What's God's role in evangelism? Well, this is verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Do you know, I love how you can see Paul's own story in this verse. Um, if you're familiar uh, with it, he, when he began following Jesus, 
It was, uh, he encountered him on the Damascus Road. Uh, the Damascus Road experience, uh, we often use that as a phrase, don't we? Talk about a complete turnaround in someone's character. Paul is the guy that that happened to first. He was literally on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians, to go and arrest them and to potentially kill them. And Jesus met him on that road. The, the story is articulated for us in Acts 8 and 9. And in that story, you have... Uh, this, uh, this blinding light that shone, that blinds, literally blinds uh, Paul, and he sees the glory of God, and he sees the risen Christ in heaven. And, um, and Jesus says, uh, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You, you can see almost this story that uh, Paul is saying here, the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. He was a devout man. Uh, even as he was going about trying to uh, pursue Christian, uh, um, persecute Christians. And in almost his praying of God, would I see you, he saw, he saw God in the face of Jesus. So this is paralleling Paul's old story, but it's also telling us a much deeper truth as well. Do you see how this verse starts? For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Now, if you're familiar with your Bible, this will immediately start uh, triggering stuff. You're like, oh, that's Genesis 1. You're right, right at the start of the Bible, as God is creating all things. He, he says this, uh, this famous word, isn't it? Uh, let light shine out of darkness. He says, let light, let there be light. And there was light. Uh, picture it, there was, there was nothing but darkness. God says, let there be light. And bam, everything is created in those moments of it uh, spiraling out. Isn't it amazing? So this same creative power that Paul is pointing us to, he's somehow linking in with our evangelism. So as we do our thing, as we preach Christ, Paul is saying here that I picture God's creative power that spoke into the darkness and said, let there be light. He's saying that that same power, that same creative power to bring about creation is there when we preach Jesus Christ as Lord, God is right there saying, I'm here to bring about a work of new creation. Into darkness, I'm going to speak my light. I'm going to open the eyes of someone who is blind. And, they are, yeah, and I'm going to transform them. So if our role is to preach Christ, God's role is to open blind eyes. Isn't this amazing? Reflect again then on how we have this powerful gospel message to share and how as we do it as everyday ordinary people we become God's fellow workers as he is able to convey his light into human hearts and so bring about new creation in them. That's the promise of these verses. But I can see how going through this amazing news, our role and God's role in evangelism, we preach Christ, God opens blind eyes, we can be left in this sense of yeah, but how? How can we actually do this? Well, I'd like to, um, bef- uh, just as we uh, moving into this later phase um, of this talk, just to give you some real good application and, and tips, things from my own life that have really, I found really helpful. I'm going to run through them a bit quickfire, but um, I want these to be starters for you, basically to uh, write them down and to think, where are you in your journey? What, what's the one thing that you should do in this list? I, I want to present them as next steps, wherever you are on your walk with Jesus, that you can say, yes, this is the next little thing that I want to do. And uh, because our theme is running shoes, uh, I'm going to articulate them all about uh, training for running. And they kind of mirror my own experience of training for a marathon uh, last year and how basically I started from nothing and gradually you increase the distance and the difficulty until you can run a a full marathon. And so I'm going to take you through these stages and hit on different things. This is my invitation to you to put on your running shoes. 
and to follow Jesus' command to go to the nations. Put on your running shoes and run after the mission that he has, uh, um, he has given you and given us. So these are some of the next steps. I'm going to start with Couch to 5K. Now, in the UK at least, Couch to 5K I think is a bit of a phenomenon. Uh, it's, it's an app that basically says, if you're one of these people who's just lying out on the couch, right, who's just, um, you, you basically you do no exercise. All you do is you're a couch potato. This is an app that you can get and it will give you a step-by-step guide on how you can work your way up to running 5,000 meters. And so my uh, couch to 5K tip for you, so if you're just like sat there going, Andy, I don't share my faith at all. Like I'm starting from absolute ground zero. Then here's my start for you. Get praying. Start praying. I think this is a wonderful thing and I would encourage you to pray for uh, a couple of things. Uh, Pray, pray for yourself that God would give you a desire to share, uh, to share your faith with uh, your friends, your family, those that you share your life with. God loves to answer that prayer. But also pray that God would give you opportunities to share your faith. Um, God, God loves to answer those prayers. Uh, second is uh, the 5K, and I've put in brackets there, park run. Now, parkrun, again, in my UK context, is, um, uh, is, again, a bit of a phenomenon. It's, um, it's basically uh, it started a number of years ago with a, with a group of guys that just met up to run in their park every Saturday. And they mapped out a 5K route, and they ran around it. And more and more people gathered, and then people in other towns and cities heard about it, and it multiplied and spread. Until now, like, there are um, hundreds of parkruns right the way around the world, gathering hundreds of people. I go to, so I'm here every day, uh, Wimbledon. I run up on Wimbledon Common. They have one up there. Um, they gather like between uh, four or five hundred uh, people in the summer when, it, when the weather's good. But the thing about Parkrun, I think some of the success of why it's drawn people together is because it's, it helps it become routine. Every Saturday morning, you know there'll be a whole bunch of people that you can go running with at that time. And so I want to suggest to you as well, make talking about Jesus routine in your life. And there's a really easy way of doing this. I don't know about you, but people regularly ask me in my life, oh, what have you been up to last week? Uh, when you come back into the office after the weekend, oh, what were you up to at this weekend? Those are wonderful opportunities for you just to make part of routine in a really easy, light way to be able to talk about Jesus. To be able to say, oh, do you know what? Actually, I was at church and this was the topic or uh, we sung these songs or I encountered this person. Or you could say, say if people are particularly part of everyday church, oh, is that one of our life groups and we were having uh, this uh, discussion or uh, talking about this. Uh, you could talk about your own times with Jesus in the way that you read the Bible or you're praying. Uh, you could talk about stuff that you're engaging with and reading. Bring your Christian life into the rest of your life. Make it part of your routine. 10k this is running 10,000 meters and I've put here find out what you're good at and the reason I put find out what you're good at is because uh, 10k turns out to be my favorite distance uh, to run you know maybe someone who think hey the shorter I can run the better Uh, for me I found that not only do I really like running 10k's but actually of all the distances I seem to be really quite good at that distance so I want to encourage you to play to your strengths God has made you you He has made you with your unique mix of of gifts and abilities. He has equipped you with passions and desires. Find out what you're really good at and then seek to go do that lots. You may just love, uh, you've got a wonderful uh, story and you love telling your story and you can do it really freely. Great. Do that lots. Tell people about what God is doing in your life. Tell his story of what he's doing in your life. It may be that you love inviting people to stuff. Great. Use that. Invite people to, um, to events. 
where they'll meet other Christians or hear about um, Jesus in different ways. Uh, get them into a space where they can, uh, can wrestle with those and then discuss it with them. You may be like me, that you love verbally processing ideas, sort of throwing out something and then wrestling with it together. Hey, do that lots with, uh, with others. Uh, wrestle with uh, big ideas. Um, it may be that you, um, just, uh, you've got a real natural ability to um, uh, sort of read the Bible with people. Great. Get them to do that lots. So that we should all seek to open the Bible with our friends. But if that's a real strength of yours, do it. And if you're sat here thinking, oh, Andy, I really don't know. I really don't know what my strength is. Ask those around you that know you really well. Again, if you're in an everyday context, ask members of your life group. They will probably know your strength better than you do. Um, ask them, uh, what, what am I really good at? What can I use? What can I use to help share my faith with others? I'm sure they'll tell you. God has made you to be you. So use the strengths that you have. Now, a uh, half marathon, and I'm putting here, uh, know who you're talking to. This comes off of a half marathon that I ran uh, last week. Uh, not last week, sorry, a few months ago. Um, and actually, uh, I got the route wrong. Um, it was uh, running along the Thames and then back again. Uh, and that's what I had in my mind to do. So I ran out. You, there's a turnaround point. You're coming back to the starting point, And I was running hard for the finishing line. Now, what I had forgotten was that in the race instructions, you're told actually to run past the finish line, turn around uh, about a kilometer away, and then run back. So I was running for the finish, but there were still two kilometers that I had to go. So you can imagine me, totally, I ran it so well for that finishing on that line, and then thinking, crumbs, I've got another 2,000 meters that I need to run after this. Know the race that you're running. In this way, know who you're talking to. Just as God has made you to be you, God has made your friends to be your friends and who they are. Know who you're talking to. Um, contextualize the gospel message to them. Uh, bring it in such a way that really um, scratches where they're itching. There may be specific questions that they're wrestling with. Know who you're talking to in a way that you can then share your faith with others. Uh, next one is about a marathon. This is about doing it with others. Uh, and again, this is my own personal experience. Now, you may have noticed that I'm wearing this uh, Stockholm 2018 uh, marathon. I ran this in uh, June of 2018. And you also noticed this very proud word across the middle, finisher. So I ran this marathon and I finished it. But let me be honest with you, it was dreadful. Uh, I got, I'd got a really bad time for what I was uh, aiming for. Basically, I got, I got stomach cramps very early on in the race, so it became painful even to make, uh, to, just to step, to run. Um, I had this really weird thing that I've not had before with my hearing, where it sort of drifted uh, in and out. I was getting lightheaded. So by halfway, I was just like, I'm done. I can't go any further. I have to walk. And it was at this time then that two people that I was running with, uh, friends of mine from uh, Everyday Church Wimbledon here, uh, Hannah and Bruce, came and ran alongside me. Well, walked alongside me and encouraged me on and said, no, Andy, look, you can do this. Uh, you, can, you can do this. This may be hard, but I'm going to walk with you every step of the way and we're going to make it. And they did. They walked with me and they got me around. And so do you know what? I got this medal and I got this T-shirt. Got the medal and got the T-shirt that says, I finished this race, and the only way that I could have done it was with my mates. Now, in the same way, when you're doing it with, uh, when you're seeking to share your faith, do it with others, and share um, what you're doing uh, around them. Last one, ultramarathon. Now, this is uh, a next step. So I've only just run a marathon. I've signed up to run another one next year, and I don't say that as a boast. I say it as an invitation. Come run Rotterdam Marathon with me in 2019. 
But I also um, have signed up for an ultramarathon. It's like this next step, this pushing onwards. Now, it may be that you've listened to all these things that I've said so far, and you're like, Andy, I'm doing all those things. Well, then this one, train hard, train for the next thing. Look at what that is. Maybe it's uh, reading widely, reading with people not only that you agree with, but that you uh, disagree with. It may be that you need to learn a new skill. Uh, you know, it's one thing to give a good answer. It's another thing to ask a great question. Learn how to do that, just like Jesus did in the way that he models of sharing, uh, sharing uh, the gospel um, and the good news about the kingdom with others. He asked loads of questions. Learn how to do things like that. Press on for what's uh, new. So with these things, have a look at them. I know I've, I've rushed through them, but have a look at them and think, what's the one thing that I can do? But let me uh, finish now then uh, very quickly with just uh, one final encouragement. Do you know, I think it can be uh, so easy for us to, when thinking about our prayers for evangelism, to basically ask God to bring people into our church meetings or into our church services. Now, in one way, that is a fantastic prayer to pray. But if we pray that in isolation, basically saying, God, I'm going to stay here in my comfort zone and I'm just going to ask you to bring people to me, I, I think we miss the go that's in the gospel, this great commission that God has for us because the, the way that the Bible seems to unfold, the way that we're to go about evangelism, isn't God, would you just bring people to us? But it's much, much more, God, would you send us? And so in this last moment, I think this is what I would love us to pray together that God would send us. Now, they've got a whole bunch of verses here and I can't go through uh, all of them, but please uh, note them down and, uh, and go through them uh, in your own time. But they're basically points in the Bible story where um, God commissions people to go. So again and again, we've got this sense of God sending, God sending, God sending. Let me draw your attention particularly to that Matthew 9, verses 35 to 10, verse 5. Now, this is the moment at the very end of uh, Matthew, um, Matthew 9, where Jesus says, um, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers. And we can all be like, yes, God, that's a wonderful prayer. Do you know what I hadn't noticed until incredibly recently? Is that that prayer, so uh, uh, that we ask, our oh, Lord of the harvest, would you send out workers? The very next verses, so that start of chapter 10 is Jesus sending out the 12 disciples. Now he says those things about the Lord, the harvest to his disciples. And I can almost imagine them gathering to him after and saying, great, yes, let's pray that. And then it's almost as if Jesus says, great, you're the answer to that prayer. Go. And I believe that Jesus would say the same thing to us. In fact, that's what he says in uh, John 20, 21. As the Father has met, sent me, so I am sending you. So, wherever you are listening to this, I want you to hear the commission of Jesus into your life to go and to proclaim this good news that he has uh, given you. Uh, commit yourself to training to run. Take that moment to put on your running shoes and to go after what God has for you. He calls us to go. And so, uh, as I close, let me pray to this Lord the harvest that he would send us as we go. Father, we thank you for your, um, this amazing good news that we, we have to share, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, we thank you for giving us, us part, our part in this, uh, that we are to proclaim this good news. But Father, we thank you for your part in it as well, that as we preach Jesus Christ as Lord, that you're the one that shines your light into people's hearts. And so Father, we want to uh, pray. Uh, we see the harvest fields in front of us. We see there is a plentiful harvest. And so we want to join that prayer that says, Lord, would you send out workers into the harvest field? 
And at the same time, we want to declare, here we are, would you send us, that we would go to share the good news about Jesus. We pray this in, uh, in uh, Jesus' name. Amen.